What a wonderful name it is. Will you join me in just simply saying that beautiful name, Jesus? Will you join me to say it, Jesus? Man, it's a good, good name. We're so glad to worship him together with you today. We welcome you. My name is Kyle, and we're so glad that each and every one of you are here. Uh, we hope that you have been welcomed, that you feel welcome this morning. Uh, you may have noticed uh, that there is a uh, police cruiser on our property today and also a police officer. Do not be alarmed. There is nothing wrong. There's no threats, no alerts. Uh, we are just trying to make sure that we have a safe environment in which we can worship and just be proactive in our changing world. And so if you see the officer, just tell him hello. He is here for you, and uh, we appreciate uh, him being with us and going to be here with us from week to week just to make sure we've got a safe environment. Um, this past week, I had a really neat opportunity. Uh, these come along quite often in what I do where I get to go to uh, funeral services, and most of you probably think of that as a negative thing, but I just got to tell you, when you go to someone's uh, memorial service, funeral service that knew Jesus, it's actually, it's actually a very beautiful, beautiful thing. And this past week, um, someone within our church family lost their mom, and I got to go to that mom's funeral. Her name was Miss Marie. Uh, I had never uh, met Miss Marie before, but through the stories that were shared and the things, things that I heard, I got to know Miss Marie uh, just a little bit. And uh, one of the stories that I've got to share with you that just is unbelievable, Miss um, Marie was 91 years old when she left this world to go to be with Jesus, so a lot of stories were there. Well, she went to Henderson State uh, many, many, many years ago, and she would commute uh, with some friends, and they'd load up in the car, and they would go, and they would do their class and their schooling, and then they would get together underneath the same shade tree every, every time and have lunch together. And on this particular day, they got together in the same place they all do underneath that shade tree, and Miss Marie pulled out her sandwich, and just with just dis serious disappointment, expressed to everybody how that she was sad because she forgot to put mayonnaise on her bread for her sandwich. And it was one of those moments, you know what I'm talking you know, about? And as she laid the piece of bread open to show everybody, one of the pigeons above in the tree <laughs> dropped the mail <laughs> right after she said it on the piece of bread. And her friend just quickly said, you got mayonnaise now. <laughs> and they laughed. And for all of her years, she told that story and enjoyed it. And uh, I tell you what, after hearing that story and others about her, I, I got to know her, and through hearing more about Miss Marie, I got to know Phyllis better, who's a part of our church, and I've known Phyllis, but I understand more about Phyllis now because I know about her mom. Phyllis is full of joy, and she is full of encouragement, and I know where it comes from now. It comes from her mom, Miss Marie. There's something about stories that help us connect there's something about hearing stories that help us understand who we're doing life with, who we're interacting with. It's the reason why NBC spends the majority of their time in the Olympic broadcast telling you stories about the people that are about to compete. Who's going to sit there and watch cross-country skiing? I mean, like, that is boring as all get out. But all of a sudden, there's this person, and this happened, and that happened, and this trauma happened, and all of a sudden, they're in the Olympics, and they're an American, so I never would watch it. I'd never do it, but I'm going to watch cross-country skiing. Why? Because you've got a connection. You've got a connection. Well, it's so helpful for us to understand where we come from and who we're connected with to understand more about where we're going. It's so important as Christians, as followers of Jesus, 
to hear the stories from Scripture and hear the history from Scripture so that we can connect, know where we came from, know where we're headed. There are two big ways that you can view history, okay? Um, You can look at history two different ways. The first way that you can look at history is uh, by way of a scholar, okay? Uh, That's where you get the brain really, really engaged, and you're packing away knowledge, and and you're learning things, and you're gathering information, and, and you're a scholar, and you can tell everybody what happened. Or the other way that you can look at history and that we need to look at history as we open God's Word today is as a soldier, You see, a soldier looks at history so they can get a better edge at carrying out their mission. And you and I, we are soldiers of Jesus, and we have a mission to carry out, and Jesus makes that mission very, very plain over and over again. He's going to do that for us this morning. We're going to lean into the book of Acts in a brand new series called Empowered, and I'm so, so excited to get into this portion of Scripture with you guys. I want you to look at Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1, and allow the Word of God and the stories that we see to help us to understand more about who we are as a church, who we are as Christians, who we are as followers of Jesus, so that we can go forward and carry out the mission that he has given unto us. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1, and we're going to talk about empowered. Today we're going to talk about being empowered to obey. Empowered to obey. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. The writer says, in my first book, I told you. Well, the writer here is Luke. And Luke is referring to the first book that he wrote of the Bible, one of the first books, uh, the first book that he wrote that's in the Bible called Luke, one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so he says, hey, if you want to know more of the story, go back and read the other book that I wrote, known by my name, the book of Luke. And as you know, Matthew, or hopefully you know, or you will know after I say this, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you really want to get a good look at Jesus, understand who he is, what he did, and what he accomplished, we look at those things. He says, in my first book, the book of Luke, I told you, Theophilus, a friend of his that he's writing to, and ultimately writing to us today, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. And so Luke's focus, his, um, his uh, whole aim of everything he's talking about is for us to know more about Jesus. If we miss Jesus, we miss everything. If we miss Jesus, we don't need church. If we miss Jesus, we don't need Christianity. If we miss Jesus, we miss it all. And so Luke is doing what any good follower of Jesus does. He puts his finger out and he points it at Jesus. He turns the spotlight on and he points it on Jesus. And so this morning, I just want you to know that everything else that we're going to talk about today, as important as it is, if you miss Jesus You miss everything. Maybe it's your first time to gather here with us at this church. We're so glad that you're here and we want you to come back. But listen, our end game is not to get you a part of this gathering. Our end game is to help you understand who Jesus is so you can follow him, so that you can experience what we've experienced, the hope and the salvation and the redemption that comes in him. So who is Jesus for just a moment? Listen, if you already know who Jesus is, you should be celebrating, right? You should be just rejoicing. It's the reason why we worshiped a few moments ago. Not because the music was good, even though it was, but because we know who Jesus is. We know who Jesus is. Some things about Jesus that are very, very important. Jesus is eternal. Let me help you understand what we mean by that. Jesus did not have a beginning. Let that blow your mind for just a moment. And Jesus 
will not have an end. And when we declare Jesus as being eternal, according to Scripture, not having a beginning, not having an end, we are also declaring that Jesus is God. He is God. He does not have a beginning. He does not have an end. He didn't show up on Christmas. He always has been. He always will be. That Christmas story that we celebrate is Jesus showing up here on earth earth. That's not his beginning. That's only the beginning of his time here on earth. Jesus is the son of God. When Jesus came here to earth, he was born of a virgin. His mama had never had sexual relationship with a man. Can we just take biology 101 here for just a moment? Do what? Never been with a man. Yes, she had a baby. It's very important for us to understand about Jesus. Because Jesus went on to live a perfect, sinless life. One of the reasons why that was possible is because he didn't have a daddy like me. You see what I do to my kids? I pass along to them things they don't need. And the biggest thing they don't need that I passed along to them was their sin nature. I didn't have to teach my kids how to sin. Why? Because they got that nature from me. But Jesus didn't have that sin nature. He was born of a virgin, lived perfectly, and decided in his perfection to do something for us. He decided to die on the cross. And it wasn't so he could be famous. It wasn't so everybody would just know what he did. He did it for me and he did it for you. He died on the cross for our sin that we have in our life, which is so ugly and so heinous. Jesus died for our sin. And then three days later, he didn't stay dead, but he got up from the grave, and he's alive today. There is a short, short little snapshot of who Jesus is. And I believe as a follower of Jesus, and hopefully as followers of Jesus, that snapshot alone is enough to say, let's follow him. I mean, Jesus lived perfectly. He died in our place and he rose again from the grave. I believe that he's worth following. Look at verse um, number two. He began all his teaching and it says, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving, giving his chosen apostles further instruction. So Jesus rose from the dead and he's hanging out with his followers. He's hanging out with his apostles. He's hanging out with his leaders and he chooses to give them instructions. He says, here's what we're going to do. And he does this through the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice this name, Holy Spirit. Because I believe it's one that we many times as Christians have put on the shelf. And it's nice and neat in a song somewhere. And we've forgotten how real the Holy Spirit is and how necessary he is in our lives. So we're going to talk much about the Holy Spirit as we lean into the book of Acts. Just as Jesus was God, the Holy Spirit is God. God chooses to reveal himself to us and to make himself available to us as God the Father, God the Son who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we're seeing here now that Jesus is choosing to give instructions to his people through the power, through the leadership, through the direction of the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice this word instructions here. Who gave the instructions? Who's talking? Who's speaking? Who's telling the apostles what to do? His name is what? G you said it earlier. It starts with a J. 
Jesus, okay? You're like, I didn't know we had to think this morning. Good grief. Jesus. Now, that matters big time. This is not just some guy that showed up and said, I'm going to tell you what to do. Think for just a moment. Remember for just a moment who Jesus is. He is God in the flesh, born of a virgin, lived perfectly, decides in his perfection to die for the sins of all mankind, predicts his death, predicts that three days later he's going to come back from the dead, and he comes back from the dead. I don't know about you, but I think when that guy gives instructions, we should say, okay, what do you have to say? We are ready to do it. I want you to get this this morning. It's huge as we think about obedience as followers of Jesus. Listen to me. It doesn't matter what the instructions are. It matters who is giving the instructions. It matters who the instructor is. In other words, if Jesus is who we know him to be, he could have told us to do anything he wanted us to do. If he wanted to, he could have said, go jump in the lake, which I guess he kind of did with baptism, but that's not really what he, the intention of everything that he told us to do. But it's not about what he told us to do as much as about who said it. I mean, Jesus could have told us to do whatever, and we should do it. Why? Because he's Jesus. He is our, he's our Savior. He's our Rescuer. He's the one that lived perfectly. He's the one that died on the cross. He's the one that came back from the dead. So if right now, if you're thinking about instructions, and you think about hearing these things before you decide whether you're going to do them or not, that's very telling about where you are. Even if you call yourself a Christian right now, if you're like, well, let me find out what the instructions are before I decide whether I'm going to do it or not, you really don't understand who Jesus is. Let that rest for just a moment. If you really understand who Jesus is as the Lord and the ruler of all, you're like, I really don't care what the instructions are except for to know what they are because I know who they're coming from and I'm ready to do them no matter what they are. You see, it doesn't really matter what the instructions are as much as it matters who is giving the instructions. And Jesus here is the one giving the instructions. Um, Jesus didn't come to live and to die and to go through all of that so that you and I could merely have fire insurance, you know, get out of hell free card. Now, does he rescue us from hell? Absolutely. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and to give it to you more abundantly. The way you and I experience abundant life in Jesus is by faith in him and then faith that produces obedience. Some of you right now in your Christian life, you are miserable right now. You're like, I believe, but you're miserable. And it all comes down to you right now not doing what Jesus wants you to do in your life. For some of you, that means you're doing things that are ugly. You're doing things that are sinful. You're doing things that are wrong. For some of you, you're just not doing what, I mean, like, you're like, I'm not doing anything wrong right now. Are you doing what Jesus told you to do? See, a lot of us think Christianity is about, I believe in Jesus, and then I don't do the bad things anymore. It is so much more than that. Jesus has given you a purpose. 
Jesus has given you a mission. And if you are not on mission for Jesus, you're going to miss out on the life that he's given to you. But I praise God this morning because so many of you get who he is and you are understanding that he is the instructor and you're following his instructions. And the result of it is many people are coming to follow Jesus as a result of you being on mission. Look now at verse number 3. During the 40 days... After his crucifixion, so we got 40 days span. Jesus dies, and then we got 40 days. He, meaning Jesus, appeared to the apostles from time to time. Now think about this for just a moment. Jesus died. I mean, they put nails in his hands. They put nails in his feet. He bled. He suffered one of the worst deaths known to mankind. He died. Not like kind of died, like really died. And now... He is, from time to time, just popping in and saying, hey, guys, what's going on? Does that, like, just weird you out just a little bit? He was dead, and now he's alive, and he's showing up saying, hey, what's going on? And after you tell me what's going on, let me give you instructions on what you ought to do. It declares here that he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Um, a couple of them had to touch him. Like, i got to touch you. i got to know you're real. He ate with them. That proved that he was alive. So many things he did to prove to his followers that he was back from the dead. goes on to verse 3 and said, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Look at verse number 4. Once when he was eating with them, again, another proof that he is alive. Dead people don't eat. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded, okay, more instructions, more instructions, and here's what he commanded them to do. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So he tells them to do something that we don't like to hear. Jesus says what? Wait. You love it when people tell you to wait, don't you? You love it. You just absolutely love it. Some of you will never, ever in your life go to Disney World. Why? Because you do not want to wait in line, right? That's your number one reason for not going. It'd be grateful for the lines. Waiting kills us. You don't like going to the doctor because you don't like seeing the doctor and you don't like waiting to the doctor, right? Like everything about it. It's like we don't like it. Waiting. Ah, we don't like waiting. And yet he told him to wait. This is his commandment. Okay? This is his commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Let me just go ahead and clue you in. Listen to me very closely, followers of Jesus. This instruction was them for that day. For us today, the waiting is over. Some of you today are waiting, and Jesus said the waiting is over now. They had to wait about 10 days. And what they were waiting for in the gift, which was the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about, the waiting is over. The Holy Spirit has come, and now some of you are wasting your time waiting. And God's like, this is not waiting time anymore. This is doing time now. This is obeying time right now. Some of you are missing out on everything because you are waiting on God when God said, nope, don't wait any longer. It's time to go. It's time to do. Verse 5. John, who was Jesus' cousin, 
also known as John the Baptist. The reason why he was called that is because he was down the river all the time preaching repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when people would repent of their sins, he would baptize them with water. You see that word water. You got to witness that last week. Some of you got to experience that last week as we saw 16 people follow Jesus in baptism last week. And church, if you want to celebrate that again, you can totally celebrate that. Amen. So John baptized with water. Why do we get baptized with water? Why do we do that? Well, because Jesus told us to. Jesus is our example, and we follow his example. Jesus was baptized, and we're baptized. We identify with Jesus, and we identify with the Father publicly when we are baptized. If you are a believer in Jesus today, and you've never been baptized, the Word of God still instructs you today to be baptized with water. You're making it known to the world that you identify with Jesus and the Father. It shows forth Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It shows forth your death to sin, your burial to it, and your new life in Christ. It's a beautiful, beautiful, powerful message that we see. So John baptized with water, but it says in just a few days, you who the apostles, this group of believers, this early church, you will be baptized by who? Two words. What does it say? By who? Say that again. It's a name that we've kind of set on the shelf. Holy Spirit. And I'm not up here to act like I've got it all figured out and I can define everything there is to define about the Holy Spirit and understand everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit. But I am up here to tell you we need to know more about who he is. And he needs more of us. I believe as we continue reading, we're going to realize that today we have all of him. The question is, does he have all of us? And this baptism that's referred to here by the Holy Spirit is God empowering the church to carry out the mission that he's given us. And I'll go ahead and jump ahead in the story. He has empowered us to do it. He's empowered us to do it. Verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Oh, how easily we lose focus as followers of Jesus. So many times we are busy asking the wrong questions, seeking the wrong things. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom, the kingdom of God. And in this moment, they weren't concerned with the kingdom of God. They were concerned with their own kingdom. Be very, very careful followers of Jesus. Be very, very careful church. Listen to me. Do not get distracted with things that we should not be focused on. Do not spend your time asking questions that have nothing to do with the mission that we have to carry out. If you're not careful, you will get distracted with it. Uh, Satan will discourage you with it, and you will find yourself going a completely different direction. Sometimes we forget which kingdom is which. This is not about my kingdom. This is not about your kingdom. It's about his kingdom. And so they ask this question, verse 7. Jesus replies, The Father, my Father, God, alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. So in other words, you're asking the wrong question. Even if I had the answer, I wouldn't give it to you, but I don't have the answer right now, so let's focus on what we're supposed to focus on. Verse number 8. But you, 
talking to his followers, talking to his apostles, talking to his early church. He says, but you will. Do you hear the promise in that? Do you hear the guarantee in that? Do you hear the, 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 um, the, the decisiveness in that? But you will receive power, he goes on to say, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This power that's spoken of here, it comes from the same word that we get dynamite or TNT. God says, I'm going to give you, the church, the power that you need, and it's going to come through the Holy Spirit. I'm about to ask you to do something that you can't do. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to do it, and I'm telling you that when I ask you to do it and you start being willing to do it, you're going to have what you need through the Holy Spirit to do it. And so he's giving us this gift and he's making us this promise. He goes on to say, uh, beginning verse 8 again, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will. There's another guarantee. There's another promise. There's another yes, it's going to happen. And you will be my witnesses. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to do this in and through you. I think a lot of times when we think about the Holy Spirit, we do think about him in a biblical term, but I think we miss what it is a lot of times. Okay? The Holy Spirit in Scripture is known as our comforter. I think we're going to throw that word on screen there for you. Let that just absorb for just a moment, this word comforter. Okay? And some of you who know the word of God would quickly say, well, the Holy Spirit, he's our comforter. And you are so, so correct. You are right. He is your comforter. He is my comforter. But I think a lot of times we misconstrue this and we miss it. Because I think a lot of times when we think about comforter, we just think about comfort. And we think about comfortable. We think about, man, I believe in Jesus, so I'm secure. And you are. If you have believed in Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to remove you uh, out of that place and to bring you into a place of redemption, you are secure, and you should take comfort in that. But let me challenge you for just a moment and suggest to you that not only is the Holy Spirit here to comfort us through security, but the Holy Spirit is also here to scare the daylights out of us by asking us to do things that we can't do in and of ourselves so that we will get uncomfortable so that we then need him as our comforter. I don't know if you know this term or not, but cows looking at a new gate. That's what I'm thinking right now. I don't know if I said too many words, too fast, or maybe you heard all those words and you're like, huh? The point of Christianity is not to be comfortable. If you think that's the point of Christianity, you're in the wrong place. You will find yourself being obedient to Jesus, being very, very uncomfortable, in desperate need of the Holy Spirit to be your comforter. Jesus is going to ask you to do things that are going to scare you to death. And the Holy Spirit then in that moment can comfort you. He not only is our comforter, and I may have made this next word up, but you're going to follow me on it, and that is this word empowerer. I don't know if you can put an E-R on empower or not. But I did. Y'all can look that up and let me know. Y'all get what I'm saying, right? The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's also our empowerer. 
He is here to help me to do things, to help you to do things, to help us do things that we cannot do in and of ourselves. To help us to carry out the mission that Jesus gave us to do. I've watched the Holy Spirit lately empower some people to carry out the mission. There are so many of you in this room right now that you are loving on your friends, your relatives, your neighbors. You're like, I don't know if I can do this or not, but I'm going to believe God can do it in it and through me. And so I'm going to love on them, and I'm going to start inviting them to Jesus, and I'm going to start inviting them to church. And guess what's happening? People are responding to your love. People are responding to your invitation. People are responding to your message because you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, that is so far out of my comfort zone, but you're doing it anyway, and the Holy Spirit is empowering you to do it. And that's exactly why God gave us the Holy Spirit is so that we could carry out the mission of Jesus And that's to make him known to everyone, to make sure they understand what we understand about Jesus and to have a relationship with Jesus the way we have a relationship with Jesus so that we can have a relationship with the Father. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father except through me. There's not a lot of options out there. There's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus And when you get bold and you start sharing that with other people, the Holy Spirit does what he promised to do. He promises to comfort you in that moment. He also uh, will empower you in that moment the way he has promised to empower you. Again, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. This is what we are called to do. This is what Jesus has placed upon me. This is what Jesus has placed upon you. That's what Jesus has placed upon this church. That's what Jesus has placed upon every other church that names the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is why we are here. And he promises the Holy Spirit. In the book of Galatians, um, it talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The things that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. Let me read this list off to you and see if they don't sound good to you. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and faith. I'm going to read them again. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and faith. That sound pretty good to you? Pretty good list? Pretty good list? I don't know, but if you're like me, that, that doesn't sound like me by myself. That's what God wants to produce in you. Some of you are hungering for that and you're wanting that right now, but let me tell you what, access to that really starts happening and production of that really starts happening when you don't just simply say, I believe in Jesus and I want to be comfortable now and I want to be a better person now. That really starts happening when you believe in Jesus to the point that you say, Jesus, I will do what you told me to do. You get on mission with Jesus. Guess what happens then? You get empowered with who? The Holy Spirit. And you start producing things that you cannot naturally produce. Some of you are wondering why there's no spiritual fruit in your life right now. And it's potentially because you aren't willing to obey Jesus. You believe in him, but not to the point that you're willing to obey him. And you're missing out on everything, the life and the life more abundantly that he has planned for you. He says, but my Holy Spirit will empower you when you start carrying out 
my plan, and you will be my witnesses. It goes on to say in verse number 8, telling people about me everywhere. Somebody say everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. Okay. In Jerusalem, that's where they were, an incredible city in the nation of Israel that has been the epicenter of everything that we read about in Scripture. It says here, starting here. Then he goes on. It says throughout Judea. We're going to look at Judea as we continue to go through the book of Acts. That's kind of the area around Jerusalem. Familiar places, familiar people, people that kind of look like you do and walk like you and talk like you, have the same background you do, Judea. And then it goes into Samaria. Samaria is crossing the line. It's crossing the tracks. It's going to the other side of town, if you will. It's going to that part that we don't want to live, if you will. It's those people that don't look like we look. They don't talk like we talk. They don't go to the same schools that we go to. They don't have the same upbringing that we have. He says, yep, even them. And then he goes, and to the ends of the earth, also known as Haskell and Bauxite. you got to go through Benton to get there, so I don't know. I say that to, to hopefully let you grasp for just a second. Like, it's happening. Do you know how far away Jerusalem is from us? It's a long, long, long way. It's the other side of the world. And here we are today, a couple thousand years later, because of about 11 guys surrounded by some other people who eventually got surrounded by some other people took seriously the mission of Jesus. And here we are at the ends of the earth, if you will, knowing about Jesus because these people took seriously the mission that Jesus gave them and they only did it through the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you look back at the early people in the church, take Peter, for example. Peter's the guy in the Gospels that's like, woohoo, Jesus, whatever you want to do, let's do it. I'll jump out of the boat. I'll walk on water. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Jesus gets arrested. Things go sideways. This is not the way we thought it was going to go. And Peter three times publicly says, I don't know him. Me and him, we're not together. Denied Jesus three times and said, I'm out. I'm done. I'm through. I'm finished. But then we're going to flip over just a page and we're going to read how Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost, preaches the word of God and thousands come to know Jesus. How does that happen? A guy who says, I don't even know him to being the guy that gets to stand up and preach and thousands come to know him. Is it because Peter's a good guy? Is it because he's charismatic? Is it because he's a good communicator? It's because the power of the Holy Spirit. He saw the risen Savior. He got to walk with him. He got to talk with him. He got to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And it, it changed everything. Changed everything. Verse 8, that's our mission. We word it this way here at Holland Chapel, and that is we, we live and we exist as Holland Chapel to help people that are far away from God find the way to him so they can do the same for others. It's us wording what you're reading in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and Matthew chapter 28. That's our mission. Now, again, turn your brains on for just a second. We're almost done. Listen to me. Who, okay, who gave us our mission? Jesus. If Jesus' mission was 
hey, I want you to build a wall around Benton. What should we be doing right now? Okay? That's not his mission. If, if Jesus' mission were to swim across the Atlantic Ocean, what should we be trying to do right now? Die trying, somebody said. <laughs> you may be on to something. You may be on to something. This is our mission. And maybe we will die trying. But while we're trying, the Holy Spirit promises to empower us and to do something through us that we don't think is possible. I mean, what if you were one of these guys hanging around like, you want us to do what? What? And yet they experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And here we are today in the ends of the earth, knowing Jesus. And there's still some ends out there. For some of you, the end of the earth is across the street at your neighbor's house, right? Like that's the end of the earth for you. Like you don't, I don't know if I can go across there and share Jesus. For some of you, the end of the earth is giving up the end seat on your aisle so that a guest can come in and have room to sit. I don't know. That's so uncomfortable. I don't know if I can give that up or not. I, oh, this whole following Jesus thing is way harder than what I thought it was going to be. I don't say that to chide you, but I'm just, we got to do whatever we got to do. And most of the time it's going to be uncomfortable so that we can carry out the mission. And when we get uncomfortable, guess what the Holy Spirit does? He comforts us and he what? He empowers us. He empowers us. So who gives it? Jesus, who empowers us to do it? The Holy Spirit. A couple next steps for you to consider. They're going to be on the screen. They're on the back side of your program as well there amidst your sermon notes. Maybe for you today, you just need to recognize who the instructor is. And, and maybe you're, for the first time, really recognizing who Jesus is. Maybe you've heard that he died for you. Maybe you've heard that he rose again for you. But today, like, it's just coming really clear for you, and it's, it's, it's getting re real for you. Listen, he did all of that for you. He wants to rescue you out of your sin. He wants to free you from the bondage that you're into it. He wants to put you on a new path. He wants to make you his own and make you his own forever. He wants to be the Lord of your life so that you can experience life and life more abundantly. And maybe you need to receive him today and let him be your Lord and let him be your Savior. We invite you to Jesus today. Maybe you're like, I'm there, I'm, I'm in, I believe that. But like for you, like you've kind of disregarded everything else that Jesus said. You like the idea of getting your sins forgiven? You like the idea of going to heaven and having no fear of hell. And so you prayed a prayer and it was real for you and you belong to Jesus today. But like looking at him, it's like the one who tells you what to do. Like you're struggling with that. You're struggling with that. And you wonder why you're struggling with a lot of other stuff. Jesus is Lord. He deserves to be Lord. He wants to help you experience life. He wants to help you help others experience life. He wants you to be a part of this mission that we're reading about in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. So maybe your next step today is just to simply do what Jesus has told you to do. Maybe for you this morning, you're like, yeah, okay, 
I hear you, Jesus. I'll give up my end seat on the row. It sounds funny, but maybe that's where you are right now, right? Yeah, Jesus, I need to start just connecting with my neighbor. I don't know if they know you or not. So, like, I'm going to have them over for dinner. I don't know if we're going to make the Jesus talk yet, but, like, I'm going to take the first step, and we're going to connect. Maybe it's, I'm just going to come to church and be a part of the church and not get focused on things that don't matter. Jesus, I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm not going to ask the wrong questions like they did in verse 6. Jesus, I don't want to be guilty of that. I want to be focused on what you're focused on, and that's other people coming to know you and following you. And so I'm just I'm going to do that. I'm going to get focused on the mission like never before, and I'm going to participate in it like never before. Jesus said, you will receive power through the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray.